0: I think we have so much like underlying stress that our stress levels are significantly higher than they were two years ago, which means that our tolerance for more stress is lower and our breaking point is nearer.
1: You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. We're proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations and with me I have my friend Ellen Bathgate. Hey Ellen. Hi Leanne, it's so good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now, obviously a lot of people know you now with all of the work that you're doing on social media, so why don't you quickly tell us about what it is that you actually do.
0: Yeah, sure. So I run a company called Roll Starter. And I love working with the owner of the rent roll to help them to start and grow their rent rolls. And because I've started a rent roll from scratch myself and I did it with a really limited budget, I really love teaching strategies that are either free or almost free when it comes to growing your rent roll. So that's why social media is one of my favorite things to work with because it's free.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, sort of free-ish. Yeah, (laughs) the free side of it is free-ish. It's
0: just a time investment.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. I reached out to you after reading a story that you shared uh, about some issues you had when you were a property manager. And, um, yeah, so maybe let's just start. Tell us the story. What were you doing? Where were you doing it? And what happened?
0: Sure. So I was a property manager in Dubbo, which is regional New South Wales. And i had been a property manager for quite a few years, probably five or six years. And I had a situation where we had evicted a tenant from their home using a sheriff. So we'd had to go through the tribunal process and we got a sheriff to remove them. And then I was in the debt recovery process and I'd arranged a garnishee order and I had drained the bank account of this tenant using the garnishee order. So we got about $350 to pay off a $10,000 debt. Wow. And shortly after going to the bank and getting the garnishee executed, the tenant came into my office in Dubbo and asked to see me. And so I sat with the tenant at our lease signing desk, which was in full view of the reception area. So the receptionist's would always be able to see uh, when we were having a meeting. And she became really aggravated because she had no money in her bank account and I was to blame. Certainly in her mind, I was to blame for that. Yeah, right. And she just got more and more and more aggravated and ended up standing up and saying, well, I've got nowhere to sleep tonight, so I'm going to have to get locked up so you're going to have to effing charge me. And she stood up, swung her fist and landed it in my, on my left eye. So she punched you in the face? Punched me in the face.
1: What did you do next?
0: I stood with my hand over my left eye and I met the gaze of the receptionist who, whose mouth was probably open more wide than mine. Yeah as the tenant left the office. And so nothing was said for a few seconds. And the receptionist said, what should I do? And I said, call the police.
1: Yeah.
0: And within a few seconds, all of my directors, I had four fabulous directors in at that job, all four of my fabulous directors had shuffled me into our auction room so that they could comfort and console me in all honesty
1: I think I was in a great deal of shock I was gonna say you would be in shock you don't you just don't expect no you never get expected you never expect to be punched in the face but particularly when you're doing your your job right
0: yeah that's right and in lots of ways that that whole day became a bit of a blur I don't remember feeling particularly anything in that moment Uh, but we did call the police and the police interviewed me and I believe went and spoke with her afterwards as well, and also offered me the option of pressing charges if I wanted to. Did you? I did not. No, no. I didn't because I was really scared that living in a small, small town? town, that there might be might be consequences for me, but it might also be consequences for my family. And I had younger brothers who were still in high school, yeah, and I was really afraid that there might be really big repercussions. If it happened to me now, I would probably press charges now.
1: Yes. But I wasn't right. Wasn't yeah, I, but I completely understand um, why you wouldn't have done it at the time. Um, so did that lead to you deciding not to be a property manager anymore in the future? No, actually, that that had very... Nothing to do with it?
0: Nothing to do with it. Um, In fact, I didn't realise how much it had impacted me until I almost ran into this woman when I was at the courthouse for another tribunal hearing, and she was clearly at the courthouse for other reasons. Yeah, right. And I I probably had my first almost panic attack at that time, and that was the first time I realised that it had impacted me. But, no, it wasn't the thing that uh, got me out
1: of property management. So what got you out of property
0: management? So interestingly, um, I I took a small break from property management about six years into my career and I bought a retail business. For me, it was less about leaving property management and more about um, this desperate desire to be my own boss. Yeah. And so I wasn't a beauty therapist when I bought a beauty salon, but... I became a beauty therapist and it was really, I was 23 years old and my beauty therapist had told me she was looking at selling her salon and I very casually said, oh, I'll talk to me before you sell it. And she did. And so I bought it. Yeah. So my step out of property management was only for a couple of years and it was really just so that I could be my own boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but about three and a half years later, I started my own rent roll. I moved away from Dubbo and moved to the New South Wales Central Coast. And that's where I started my own rent roll because the pool
1: of property management was too strong. I just wanted to come back. Career property manager. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, what happened when you shared your story um, recently about um, what the tenant did? What happened after that?
0: I was amazed at the response I received from our industry. To be honest, when when I thought about the incident myself, I assumed I was the only person who had experienced violence in in my job. When I shared my story recently and quite publicly, I had so many people reach out to me, you included, Leanne, to say that they had also experienced violence. I was amazed at how many people had experienced something like this.
1: Yeah, it's um it's interesting, isn't it? I um certainly for me it was a long time ago. Um I haven't been a property manager for decades, so it was a very long time ago. But I still, you know, I still remember it and I still remember the stories from other property managers in the business I was in of being you know chased around the dining room table by, you know, potential landlords and um, we had an incident just recently um, at Lang and simmons where one of our fabulous property managers um, had just got the most abusive pile-on via social media. You know, they, we've got lots of community pages now um, and um, a tenant complained and it just was a pile-on after pile-on after pile-on to the point that we had to provide counselling for the PM because she was so devastated Um, so how do we how do we help our property managers how do we keep them safe both physically and mentally
0: i think something that would have been really useful for me earlier in my career would have been some de-escalation training okay yep because when i look back on that particular incident i know that if i was dealing with it now I would have known some strategies to calm her down a little bit. I'm not saying she wouldn't have punched me. She might have punched me anyway. But certainly in that moment, I didn't know how to de-escalate. Okay. And I think if I'd had some skills in that, it might have made a difference. Yep. Um, and, And I also think that there's a lot of pressure on us as property managers to just... Grin and bear it. It's just part of the job, you know, being verbally abused or abused on social media or threatened with violence or actually physically assaulted. It's almost considered to be part of the job at times. And I think think it would be wise for us to ensure that the industry
1: knows it shouldn't be part of the job. So do you, do you think part of the problem is that a lot of our, I mean, some of our business owners obviously are very experienced property managers, so they completely understand mm-hmm. it. But a lot of our business owners are really good salespeople. They've never been property managers. So do you think that's part of the problem? They don't realise how difficult it can be? I think that could be the case. Uh, and I suspect, I've not been a salesperson
0: myself, I've only ever been a property manager, but I su- suspect that A lot of the dealings salespeople have are quite different to the dealings we have with our clients um, because we have this long-term relationship and also because we have to have, certainly I think, we have to have many more difficult conversations with landlords and tenants. Yeah. Uh, In sales, I don't know that we're having as, as difficult conversations. We're certainly not evicting someone from their home in and we have to do that at times in property management.
1: Every time there's a major storm, and let's be honest, there's been so many of them, right? I do. The first thing I think of is our poor property managers who then have to deal with houses that have flooded or broken tiles or all of those sorts of things. People want things fixed immediately and sometimes that's just not possible.
0: And to this day, I cannot live in a house that has a tin roof, because I cannot sleep if I can hear rain falling I, to this day because I know that
1: that's
0: right I used to lie in bed thinking about the particular houses that are prone to
1: leaking oh no yeah and it's interesting right because I, I don't think anybody's gotten through the last 12 months without a leak an unexpected leak and mold springing up right yes when you're a homeowner you react to that very differently right as a homeowner I get a bucket and a towel, I get mould removal and I just sort it out. But tenants have an expectation that somebody else will sort that out for them.
0: Yes, And, and I think it's been made worse by the fact that so many homes and areas on the eastern coast of Australia are dealing with this so you don't have enough plumbers and roofers and gutterers and mould cleaning companies. Right. They're inundated with work. Yeah, and yeah. even if a property manager wanted to get the job done yesterday, there's a three-, four-, five-week wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I think um, everybody's looking for staff, right? It doesn't matter what business you're in, whether you're a mould remover or a, um, or a real estate agent or a, a builder. Like, you know, everybody's really struggling to get staff. So yes. I think the de-escalation, um, I think that's really um, I think that's really, really important. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to 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 talk to you was just to get it out there. It's not just it's not just in real estate and property managers where people are behaving inappropriately to other people. Mm-hmm. I think we've been through so much stress and in some cases trauma in the last few years that people's behaviour has changed as a result. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think we have so much like underlying stress that our stress levels are significantly higher than they were two years ago, which means that our tolerance for more stress is yeah. lower and our breaking point is nearer.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a real message to people just to take a breath and um, and understand, you know, try and put the shoe on the other foot. It's not to say you shouldn't expect your mould to be removed and your leaks to be fixed. You absolutely should, but try and take a breath and understand what everybody in the transaction is going through right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, social media—how much has that changed in the time that you've been um, running your business?
0: Just in the time that I've been running this business, Rent Roll Starter, it's changed significantly. But, but if I think back to When I bought my first business, the retail business, in 2007, I was one of the first businesses in my town to start using Facebook. Yeah, right. And it was a very different climate there compared to now. Yeah, right. Uh, We didn't have business pages. You used a profile for your business. And it was significantly easier to get engagement back then compared to now because there's so much content on social media now. There's just not as much
1: room for your content on there. Yeah, there's a lot of noise, right? And so it has to be really good content to get people to actually stop and engage. Yeah, it really
0: does. And, and also something I've noticed is I feel like 10 years ago or even five years ago, your audience was more engaged and less distracted perhaps yeah whereas now people see your stuff but they're not double tapping as often on your Instagram post or liking your Facebook post they're still seeing it so the feedback I'm hearing is they're still seeing it they just don't have the energy or the bandwidth to hit double tap on your Instagram post
1: and so it's still it's still there still there interesting yeah. Yeah. So what are the metrics that you look for when you're working for people in the social media space?
0: Yeah, so I'm, I really love making sure that we're looking at just your metrics, not comparing to somebody else because we can only have a look at like where you've been yeah. versus where you are now rather than comparing you to someone else because your audience is always going to be different to my audience, for example. Yeah. So we're looking at things like reach of your posts but right. also engagement of your posts because I find that those things are the things that help us design future content because it helps inform us on what does your audience actually like and also what is the algorithm more inclined to share so the reach gives a really good indication of, well, what is, what is Facebook or Instagram or TikTok pushing out yep. to your audience? And then the engagement stats, which don't ne- they're not necessarily the same. You might have something with high engagement but lower reach. The engagement stats help us figure out, well, what are the types of posts that get people to actually lift their thumb and tap something on their phone? Or heavens, to get them to type out something in a comment. So what are the two things that I like to look at
1: yeah.
0: um, when we're looking at your free social media strategy. And
1: um, Reels and TikTok?
0: I am not someone who is comfortable creating Reels and TikToks, but I am on the bandwagon because, goodness me, they get decent reach.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's remarkable. Sometimes ten times the reach of a static post. Um, so and that's you know, because
1: the... Um, the social media um, platforms are, try, are pushing us down that road, right? That's what they want us to do.
0: Yeah, it's what they want us to do because they've seen their audience or their their customers' um, behaviors. Yeah. So the reason they're pushing it is because they've realised that those types of posts get more engagement. So they're trying to teach you through the algorithm and through the results that you're getting that. If you share short-form videos, you're going to get better engagement, better reach.
1: Yeah, it's just more of an effort. You've got to have more of a, you've really got to think about the strategy behind the the videos. Uh, And it takes longer. Yeah, it does. I don't know where it's all going to end, Ellen. I really don't.
0: I don't either, but I'm curious to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess your business continues to evolve as, um, as the platforms evolve, right?
0: Yeah, it does. I was talking to someone recently about how marketing has changed over the years, and I said, I actually think that marketing hasn't changed a lot. Just the platform we, we use it on has changed. Mm-hmm. So once upon a time, we did letterbox drops and flyers, and when I had a retail business, I did lots of flyer drops, and they worked really well.
1: Yeah.
0: Nowadays, I actually follow a really similar formula to the content that I put in a flyer but I put it in a Facebook post now. Yep. So I think so many of the marketing ideas are really timeless. It's just we
1: have to pivot to be on the platform that our audience is. That is very good advice. Um, if people would like to find you, where, how do they do that? I would love for
0: them to connect with me on social media. I'm at RentRollStarter on Facebook and Instagram. And they're my two favourite platforms to be on. Um, but I'm also RentRollStarter.com.au if you like the good
1: old website. The good old-fashioned website. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time and to help shed light on um, on a real issue in our industry.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Leanne.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.